Hey, hi, I'm Bonnie. Welcome to this podcast, Make Joy Normal, where we chat about homeschooling and family life. With my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, we address your questions and topics in a way that can create more joy in our lives. Please submit any questions you have by email or voice message in the links in the show notes. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend, like, or leave us a review. That's how we get the word out. Thanks for trying to make joy normal in your own life. Early on in our homeschool journey, I became aware that beauty and an appreciation for art in all its various forms was a really important aspect to our home education, especially because I had artistic children and I wanted to foster that in them. So years ago, I discovered Catholic heritage curricula and was first introduced to their art appreciation resources for young children in their Art Masterpieces series, which was excellent and we used for a number of years. A desire for deeper understanding led us to the CHC program, Ever Ancient, Ever New. It's a program in two parts. Ever Ancient, Ever New guided us from ancient art forms chronologically to the art of the Renaissance. And then part two leads us from the art of the high Renaissance through the modern era. The first thing that drew me to the art appreciation uh, that they offer is the the history and the distinctly Catholic perspective. It was really beautiful. But the program also presents art theory and opportunities to practice with a companion art pad that goes along with the books. CHC materials are always steeped in beauty, and this program is really delightful. It helped us cultivate a sensitivity to beauty, and I think for the children that I used it with, it gave us all the foundation in the eras of art and characteristics that define them. The lives of artists, cultural influences, and the implications of those influences in art uh, are explored in the context of each chapter. Every Inch and Ever New can be used independently by children in grades five and up, or read together as a family with, with much younger children. As something we valued in our family, this program makes art appreciation something that parents can share with their children without being overwhelmed by the idea of introducing art. It's beautiful, it's simple and engaging. A link to the program is in the show notes. Have a look and enjoy all of CHC's art programs and all of their beautiful programs as well. Good afternoon to all my listeners. I would like to welcome my guest, uh, Gina Peterson, who's here with me today. Welcome, Gina. Hi. Nice to nice to talk with you. Yeah, and you too. Uh, the reason why I asked Gina if she would be willing to interview is because I received some questions about breastfeeding. I talk about breastfeeding a fair bit on my you know homeschool podcast, <laughs> but it was such a foundational aspect to attachment and influenced me so much that you know it, it comes up in conversation quite regularly. And I was submitted some questions about breastfeeding, so I thought it would be really nice to get somebody who uh, whose ministry really is is supporting breastfeeding mothers to come in and, and tackle those questions with me. So uh, so that's what Gina's here about. And before I talk about what you do, Gina, I'd like to just, if you could just tell us a little bit about your family, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a homeschooling mom of five children, um, and I've been homeschooling for 19 years now. Nice. Um, and my oldest is 23 and my youngest is 10. 
Beautiful. You started, you're at one of the administration, I don't know if you started it, for the a website that I've been part of for a few years called Catholic Nursing's Catholic Nursing Mothers League, where you address uh, breastfeeding issues and you provide um, support for Catholic mothers in the in the um, breastfeeding world. Can you tell us a little bit about Catholic Nursing Mother League, Mothers League and, and sort of how that got started? Yeah, sure. It actually got started in 2006. And we we actually are a okay. um, a nonprofit five hundred one c three organization, um, but I usually like to refer to okay. it as a ministry because it's close to my heart. Yeah, kind of what happened is about a year before it got started, um, Sheila Kipley, who used to she founded the Couple to Couple League, and then now she and now she does uh, um, NF. Uh, that's internet uh, NFP mm-hmm. International. Big fan, yeah. And so she wrote a book, Breastfeeding in Catholic Motherhood, and um, in yes. the book she talks about how um, maybe a volunteer lactation consultant could start mm-hmm. like a nursing group in a in a parish, and that really caught my eye because I was um, working on becoming a lactation consultant at that mm-hmm. point. And so I emailed her, and then um, another woman, Pam Pilch, also emailed her at the Beautiful. same time, and we kind of got together. Pam got it got it going, and I was kind of like on her little team to, you know, kind of write all Brilliant. the bylaws and get everything going. And I, you know, I stayed working with her on it. And then in 2009, she asked me if I would take it over as the executive director. Okay. And so is that the Facebook group or is there another sort of group that the Facebook group comes under? So the, so the organization is Catholic Nursing Mothers League and the blog, you know, catholicbreastfeeding.blogspot.com. That's our website. And then I decided to start the Facebook group as a way to like connect with nursing moms you know, worldwide. Exactly. Yeah. It's such a, such a great forum for that sort of thing, right. To sort of really, uh, really put it out there, you know, and, and then people can connect other, other Catholic groups on Facebook can connect to that group and, and, um, you know, just sort of spread the word about it. So, so do you also have sort of local groups that meet? Like, is that something that is part of the, part of what you do? Part of our dream for the ministry was that we would um, set up like uh, parish groups or also mentors or like kind of around the country or around the world. Kind of what we've noticed that is the groups haven't really taken off really well. So that's why I introduced the idea of like a mentor. That way a mom could help another mom kind of one-on-one. Um, but one thing that has taken off now is we have an online meeting mm-hmm. once a month, and and we've had a really great attendance, and so that's been really Fantastic. exciting. And is it run by Zoom or how how's yes. it run? So one of our mentors runs um, kind of kind of spearheaded it, and then um, another right. mentor and I occasionally will lead a meeting, but the the. Christelle is kind of the main one that runs the meeting and we do it on zoom right now. And it's just, um, I think it's the first Thursday of the month at um, 9am mountain time. It just lasts like an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. And would people access that via the Facebook group or the website? Yes. Yeah. I usually post something on the Facebook group and there's also a link on my, on the website on the right hand side. 
Okay. Fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you're doing that. I, I'll give you a bit of backstory, actually. When I first, when I had my second daughter, uh, when I had my first, I wasn't Catholic, right? And But I, I was involved in the Leche League, which at the time, the, the library was predominantly sort of Catholic books, not directly necessarily, but they would all have fit into the Catholic world for sure. I read the book, Breastfeeding and Natural Child Spacing. I was really blown away by it because my own experience had been with my first daughter, had been that I was um, uh, had this long period of infertility after she was born. And I thought, oh, that's interesting and really knew nothing about it. So I read that book. And of course, that was a real eye-opener. I had my second daughter and I became a little HE League leader um, after she was born. And I did that for a couple of years. It, it was difficult to, to gain traction. And in, in, in the end, it was a godsend. But it was difficult to gain traction because we were very, uh, there was so much administration and so few leaders that I just couldn't do it as I continued to have children. So I didn't lead for very long, but breastfeeding support was always where my heart was because to me, that was the foundation of how I became an attachment oriented parent and attachment oriented family. And so anyway, it just, I just ne never, I just never gained traction in that particular area. But then as I, as I, my kids got older and I started doing sort of reaching out to people who were new homeschoolers, I'd been homeschooling for a few years and, and I ended up sort of how having this homeschool ministry via attachment, you know, how does attachment look in the homeschooling at the homeschooling age of things, you know, beyond, um, beyond infancy. Uh, anyway, now it's come full circle where I, you know, I, because I talk about it on my podcast, I'm now getting questions about breastfeeding, <laughs> you know, so I find that really interesting that, you know, God had a plan and I didn't know what it was, but <laughs> he rolled it out. So I'm so grateful for this ministry because I think we really do need, a Catholic voice, because the picture of Catholic breastfeeding and fertility and attachment and parenthood is just so all-encompassing and so much part of one picture that it's really hard to separate out uh, the various acts, aspects of of um, parenting, fertility, uh, discipline, uh, homeschooling, even you know, to sort of separate the, the separate those things out and have them be. Um, treated in in kind of a separate manners, right? So I think it's a, a beautiful ministry that you've um, have, and I've been following it for for a couple of years. I, I don't know when I joined. I was certainly not a breastfeeding mother anymore when I joined, but I just thought I, I want to keep my finger on the pulse of where this is going, right? Uh, so so what do you primarily provide in terms of in terms of the ministry of Catholic Nursing Mothers League? What's your primary focus of what you provide? Kind of the main um, focuses of the Catholic Nursing Mothers League are, you know, breastfeeding support. So I can answer questions and I try to write a lot about breastfeeding topics, you know, on the website. Also, we like we we support ecological breastfeeding, which is like Sheila's book, like you mentioned, that's, you know, spacing your family with breastfeeding. And mm -hmm. then also... I like to say that kind of one of our, our other focuses on motherhood and also yeah. kind of on the spiritual life. And so those are kind of the four things that I will write about on the blog. Also, one other thing I wanted to mention is right. one thing that I like to do is I like to send out care packages to okay. moms too. And I, I really like, I really enjoy doing that. And I realized, especially in today's world where there's so many like 
free digital things and then you click on it and it's like you know like a worksheet or it's you know that's something like that and I think it's mm-hmm. so nice to be able to like open your mailbox and get a book in the mail or a card or or make prayer shawls yeah. you know it's like things like that just to get a little package in the mail I just I just think that just adds a little touch to it yeah, that's a beautiful ministry, especially in the, yeah in this digital world. I had a little side hustle going on for a while, for oh, probably for about ten years. As the people I knew, their kids were starting to get married and have babies, I started giving a copy of Breastfeeding and Natural Child Spacing and uh, Breastfeeding Catholic Motherhood to all the new moms when they were pregnant with their first baby. And that was really fruitful. Just, you know, just I'd have six or seven of copies of them. I'd try and find them secondhand or whatever, just give them to people. And, you know, the fruit from that was huge, right? That little, that little bit of uh, sort of personal contact and then somebody being able to say, oh, okay, uh, I could talk to you. I'm having a problem, actually. Uh, can I talk to you about it? Right? Right. Yeah. Um, that's so great that you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done it for a while, but I did, I did it for a number of years. I should probably get back on that train. Just life took me in other directions. (laughs) So I wanted to get into the questions that I received uh, from one of my listeners about, uh, about breastfeeding. And, um, you know, some of them sort of there's overlap definitely with breastfeeding parenthood, uh, even homeschooling. So, um, so the first one was how did tandem nursing, how did tandem feeding work for you? Uh, did you dry up and then start again after baby was born, or did you not just did you just not have a problem with supply? So, I mean, I can share my story, but you probably are more aware of other women's stories, uh, you know. So, so is that something that you have practiced? Is that something you've come across, helped other moms with, and how did that play out? So, with my first, I did nurse my first all the way until after my second child was born. But at that point, he wasn't nursing very often, like once every other day. And then once the second baby was born, I decided that I didn't want to continue with nursing both of them. So I I completely weaned him. And then with all my other children, I usually wean them a couple of months before like the new baby was going to be born. That that was personally what I what I did. Um, And I have I have I've helped a, a few a few people with, you know, questions on tandem nursing. Yeah. And do you find that that, uh, for most people, do they sort of have a dry up first, uh, and then start nursing again after the baby was born? Is that something that, you know, in the people that have been in your circles? I've seen it both ways. You know, some, some women do it, you know, where they stop nursing either before they get pregnant or during their pregnancy. And then some have already decided I really want a tandem nurse and they just keep on nursing. And, and I think either way, it actually works fine with your milk supply. There's not really any worries about that. Yeah, we found that I tandem nursed all but my first, there's four and a half years between my first and my second. So uh, I tandem nursed all of them. And I would nurse right through the pregnancy. However, there would usually what would happen for me anyways, there would be no milk, but they would usually keep nursing. It just would be like, um, you know, before they went to bed, they would sort of pretend nurse almost like, you know, suck, suck for like one second. And then they would just go to sleep. So there, you know, there was nothing there, but there was, it was like the child kind of keeping 
that door open, I guess. And then they would start pick up nursing again after the baby was born. So yeah, I would say that I would pretty much dry up in between times. There was never really a supply problem. One of the sort of hidden little benefits is that you, if you're nursing an older child, you don't get engorged at all. That just doesn't happen. And if you start towards engorgement, you know, to say to the toddler, hey, just could you come and nurse for a minute? They're like, yeah, (laughs) I think so. So yeah, so I never had a problem with supply. But one of the things that I found challenging, I don't know if you found this with your first, uh, if you continue nursing through that pregnancy, was that the toddler did want to nurse every time I was nursing the baby, right, in general. So with my first couple of kids, that was trickier for sure, because I found that I was, I would stand up quite a bit just so that, you know, because as soon as I sat down to nurse the newborn, the toddler would want to nurse, but that did go away after a few weeks. It was sort of the, the more initial, the initial thing that happened just as a result of having a newborn in the house and the whole family adjustment. Did you find, like, I found that people that I've known who've weaned uh, during pregnancy, like at the end of their pregnancy, that weaning was generally fairly easy because because there wasn't milk there. So, I mean, it is a, it is a time we can capitalize for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, usually at that point, yeah, the milk is, is very limited. And um, with my children, my children were actually spaced pretty, right, you know, yeah. pretty far apart, um, about three years apart or more. And so they were ready to, you know, to totally wean. And I kind of was lead, gently leading them, you know. I mean, obviously they were two and a half or three right. anyway, but I was gently leading yeah. them to that point. Okay, it's time to, you right. know, do Yeah, and distraction is a know. great tool when you're, <laughs> when you've arrived in that place, right? Yeah. Now, this particular mom that submitted the questions, one of the issues, and we'll, we'll get into these questions, but she, she, has her babies have come very close together and she's doing you know it sounds like from you know anything she told me that that she's doing all the right things you know so her first few babies i can't remember how many kids she has but her first few babies have come really close together she was wanting to kind of talk about attachment as it relates to somebody who unintentionally uh had babies really close like how does that play out um you know and how do we address that situation and kind of you know embrace what is uh, when babies are close together, is that something that you could speak to? I think you just need to find um, other ways besides, like if, like I say, she doesn't want to tandem nurse. I think she just needs to come up with other ways of connecting with the older child. You know, special times, maybe when the baby is sleeping or something, things like that, um, so that the older child doesn't feel like replaced. You know, by the new baby. Exactly. Yeah, kind of bumped. Yeah, because the older child in this case is not very old, right? Probably under under two or whatever. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you know tandem. And if she is tandem nursing, obviously that's one way of of um, providing connection. You know, and you have to be sensitive to if that's stressing you or stressing you know creating a stressful situation. But it would be nice to sort of speak because I'm sure you're in touch with lots of young moms who are experiencing the you know the hardest one of the hardest seasons of motherhood for sure is when we have two or three very small children right and we don't have an older child to help out or to uh, just be responsible for themselves can put their own shoes on that sort of thing so so what about kind of embracing this season how do we uh, how do we embrace embrace this season of of um, trial more effectively both you know from a practical standpoint and a spiritual standpoint, I think if, if you could uh, address those, that would be really helpful. 
I would say trying to focus on self-care of the mom. And we, and it was, it's interesting mm-hmm. uh, in this question because we just had our meeting, uh, our online meeting for the Catholic Nursing Mothers League. And that was the topic, self-care. And actually the, and I did write something up on our website about it. So I would say, yeah, that actually, that's the first point is your spiritual life. And of course, when you have a lot of little ones, you're not going to be able to devote a large quantity of time mm-hmm. to your spiritual life, but even just little things, you know, like, you know, you while you're nursing the baby, you could sit, you could, you know, pray, you know, trying to get to mass, you know, saying a little mm-hmm. prayer in the shower, just like, I think just having those little things, um, they kind of add up. And then just all the other self-care right. things like trying to, you know, remembering to eat and drink and rest. And then also, you know, it's hard to get enough sleep at night when you have a a new baby, but, you know, give yourself permission to take a nap if you need it. You know, maybe you'll even have to wait until your husband gets home so that you could do Mm -hmm. that or a friend could, friend could help out. And then also other things like, remembering to think about what things bring you joy, you know, just for five minutes, do something that you like, you know, while the baby is sleeping and while the toddler is playing with a particular toy or something, just try to Mm -hmm. do something that brings you joy every day. And then also get out, I would say, try to get out of the house a little bit and get some exercise. Sometimes being cooped up in the house with a bunch of little kids sometimes can be overwhelming. So Sometimes if you just leave the house either for a walk or go somewhere or whatever, that can just totally change your day and how you're feeling. And maybe the baby would fall asleep on the way or, you know. Yeah, it's so true. And it usually puts the kids in such a, such a better space too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, what would you say are some things we can let go of during this season to help us embrace it? So I think you also need to lower your expectations. You know, everybody has kind of in their mind mm-hmm. what they, they want their house to look like, what their productivity level. And I think you, especially with a newborn, you have to really lower that quite a bit because the newborn time is so, so small, is such a short amount of time. It's, it won't last forever. But even as the baby gets mm-hmm. older, you know, when you have little kids at home, especially if you're homeschooling, you have people home 24 hours a day and your house isn't going to look the same as somebody who mm-hmm. everybody is gone all day. And so I think things like that, especially if you're going to have mm-hmm. like company, your family over, realize you just have to try to let that stuff go and just kind of do your best. Yeah. And it's humbling, you know, and, and I think we need to even come up if we have, if we have people in our life who are going to judge us, I would say don't invite those people over. <laughs> but also, uh, if somebody did say something to you, we can say things like, well, you know, uh, it is, it's really hard to keep up right now. And, and uh, if you're offering to help, I'd love that. <laughs> or uh, we can also, you know, just say this is, a, this is a difficult season and I choose to put my family first. And, and yeah, this stuff bugs me for sure. But uh, I just have to let that go right now. Yeah, those are right. all great ideas. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, another thing too, I talk a lot on my podcast about decluttering. 
And of course, when we have three small children, the idea of decluttering is, is, uh, it's not a great time to start that journey because, especially if you just had a baby, because, you know, your, your time is so limited anyways. But I would say, I mean, honestly, if you can go through your house and just stuff three or four clear garbage bags with anything you don't need right now and put it somewhere in storage. <laughs> if you can think of anything you don't need right now, uh, and maybe you'll get to it in one year, maybe you'll get to it in five years, but if you don't need it, uh, just put it away, right? If you're not ready to sort of get get rid of it or, or decide, you know, how it's going to be stored or whether or not you need it. If you, can't, if you don't have the brain space to make those kinds of decisions right now, if you just put things away, um, it will lessen your load, right? The less stuff we have in our house, the the more effective we can, uh, effectively we can uh, get through our day, right? It just helps us manage the environment a little better. So other, I just sort of want to go back to the idea of attachment when your babies are really close. Obviously, um, you know, self-care and the spiritual side of of motherhood is um, is really important. Would you say, how, how do we kind of carve out time or carve out uh, the ability to to be able to interact positively with our children when we when we're trying to create an environment of attachment. So I've, I've always sort of, I just like to hear his perspective on this. I've always thought of attachment as not one more thing you have to do, but just a, a different attitude towards how you interact with the people in your life. So if we think of it as attachment not being an extra thing, what are ways that we can be aware of the interactions that we have with the people in our life? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think it can even be just the little things like, I think I'm I'm guilty of not doing this, and I'm sure other moms too, where your child is telling you a story and you're f- distracted and you're not really focusing on them. And so I think just something like that, you know, focusing, looking them in the eye and listening to their story that they're telling you, like something like that. Um, or like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, waiting for one or more kids to be asleep and then maybe one is still awake, they're not taking a nap anymore. Then during that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. or a couple of moments, you know, play something with them that they really like. I think at bedtime, you know, especially, you know, you know, kiss them all goodnight and Mm -hmm. be able to talk to them for, you know, a minute or two, you know, each one, like make it a, make it a habit yeah. Sometimes when you're all like touched out, you forget yeah. to hug and kiss and say, I love you. And so yeah. I think making that a habit every day to try to do that every day. Mm, beautiful. You know, I just read this and where the heck did I read it now? I don't remember, but it was something about um, sort of relationship building uh, with with your children. Um, and it said, um, put food in their mouth, like actually take, you know, a grape or a, uh, you know, piece of toast or whatever, and actually f- hand feed them. Like it doesn't mean for the whole meal, but just there's something really intimate about actually taking food and putting it uh, in your child's mouth, right? There's something really intimate about that. And it requires focus on our, on our part. And those little moments of focus, we don't have to focus for 45 minutes, but the, the l- length of time it takes to pop a piece of food in their mouth and be looking in the eye when we do that, or say, um, or say, you know, oh, you look so beautiful today, or I love you so much, you know, I'm so, I'm so glad you're here with me today. You know, that, that those, when we're looking them in the eye and saying it like we mean it, that's so meaningful, as opposed to sort of saying something and not 
not actually connecting with them. So that actual uh, physical and emotional connection for short moments, seconds at a time is just so powerful, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a really neat idea. I hadn't heard no, that I, before. No, I hadn't either. Another yeah. thing that um, I had read years ago that it absolutely played out to be true was was when you play catch with children because catch is a very cooperative kind of game. So, say you have a bean bag um, or a softball or something, and you throw it to them. You're throwing it in order that they catch it, and they're you know, they're catching it and you're encouraging them and they're throwing back to you and you're, there's, it's a very cooperative thing. There's no competition going on. You're very cooperatively trying to get each other to catch the thing, but you have to be very focused on, you know, them in the eye, you know, to, to, to get them to try to catch a beanbag or a ball or something. Right. And it's a very, um, I don't know. It's one of those things that I found when my kids were like, say annoyed or angry or whatever, or, or, you know, just feeling, uh, bummed out, you know, like, oh, do you want to play catch with me for a minute? Do you want to hear, can you catch this beanbag? And it really, it really is remarkably effective. I think sort of the same idea as putting the food in their mouth, right? That, that it's just this moment of connection that's very short and it just, it did wonders for moods, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny? That's, that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Simple things. Ideas. Well, those are, yeah. And your ideas too, just focusing short moments, uh, you know, taking the time with our kids. One of the things I think too, that, and I'm sure you, you've experienced this as well, especially when you have very small kids is, uh, you know, in terms of education, we can just let go, right? So much natural education happens. Uh, if our kids are six, seven, eight and younger, so much natural education happens in a day, hey, that we, we don't need to be stressing about, you know, education per se. <laughs> it will all work out fine. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I mean, when they're, when they're so young like that, I know a lot of new homeschooling parents really worry and they're like, oh, you know, what math program should I use and which phonics program, which this program, that program. But when they're really little, they just, you just need to read to them and spend time with them and take them places. And it just all, happens very naturally and organically. Exactly. And, and uh, yeah, we can't just can't push that. And you know, when our kids are like in this particular situation, if she has a new baby and an 18 month old and a three year old and a, you know, four and a half year old or something like that, you know, those are, you just don't need to be thinking about it. You're, you're teaching them so much in those first five years, just the fact that you're teaching them toilet training, teaching them, you know, riding a balance bike. They learn how to walk. They're learning how to talk. They're, you're pointing things out to them all the time. That's what we do as mothers. And their education at that age is very, very rich. And anything formal is just so unnecessary. And as our every year that goes by, the kids get older and life gets easier, even if you have more children, right? And I'm sure you can speak to that as, you know, a mom of five kids that I remember people saying that to me when I had only little kids and thinking, how on earth is this going to get easier if I add more kids to the mix? (laughs) But it does. Yes, yes. Yeah, it definitely does. And those, yeah, that, I mean, the newborn time, when you're going through it, it's so overwhelming. And then, and then it passes. And then all, and then when they're learning to crawl and talk and, you know, all those first couple of years, that can be overwhelming, right? It's like, especially yes. if when they're fussy or unhappy and, but then, yeah, it all eventually gets kind of worked out and, and yeah, it definitely gets easier as they get older. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things I thought I would I would end off with is just 
if you could give us your favorite advice or your favorite um, personal method of the ways that you fill your own tank and the ways that you fill your children's tanks. So first of all, let's just start with our own tank. What's your your favorite way of filling your tank? Ever since, um, even when my kids were, were smaller, I always would try to get away from the house for just like an hour or two. And go to a coffee shop and I'd bring my journal and I'd bring a book and just sit there and like think. (laughs) And, and if I had a nursing baby, I would usually take them with me. And then on the drive over, they would fall asleep and at least I'd have maybe a half hour (laughs) of time before they woke up, you know? (laughs) And so that's what I would do. And, um, and my husband and I also did date night like that too. If we had a nursing baby, they always went with Beautiful. us. But once they were older, then we felt like they could we could be left with either a sitter or yeah. with an older sibling. You know, like as my kids got older. Yeah, having a having older siblings it makes a world of difference in the big picture of things. <laughs> Even if you have a babysitter, you know, if you have a babysitter or somebody that's maybe less familiar with the kids, just having an older sibling around um, when you have small children, it, it's a security for the younger siblings, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, it's like my ki- some of my kids become like a little club mm-hmm. and they feel very comfortable with, with the team members. You know what I mean? Exactly. And they just feel very comfortable with the oldest one being kind of like the supervisor, you know, and exactly. then the one closer to them is more their playmate maybe. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually realize the second part of that question, favorite ways to fill your children's tanks. Let's first talk about small children, maybe, you know, toddlers, preschoolers, what would be your favorite way to fill their tanks? But then let's also just end off with older children because, uh, because that can get overlooked sometimes, you know? Well, obviously when they're nursing, there's so much, there's so much contact and closeness. So that's definitely way I would connect with them. Also, I've mm-hmm. always liked reading stories to my kids. Mm-hmm. I like taking them to the park. And then, you know, of course, as they get older, they're not as in, they're, they're still nice. a little bit interested in the stories, but not as much in the, as the park. But with older kids, I find actually with all our homeschool stuff, that special time that I am sitting with each of them to work on something specific is a like one way that we really connect. Exactly. So important. Yeah. And then, and, and then of course, especially with the older kids, if I know that they have a special interest, just asking questions about it or trying to kind of get into it with them a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, that I find that helps with the connection. Yeah. So nice. eh? Yeah. And wonderful when they share with you too, you know, what they're doing and, and all of that. So, so uh, those are wonderful, wonderful thoughts. Thank you so much for joining me and addressing these questions. This is a, uh, a lovely ministry. And I really wanted to get, uh, you know, amongst my listeners, Listeners to be able to get your ministry in front of them because I just think it's so valuable what you guys are doing. So uh, I would really encourage all the um, breastfeeding mothers to uh, in my group, which is probably most of you <laughs> that are uh, that uh, to check out the Facebook group and to check out the website as well. We'll put the links for those in the show notes. And uh, people can access that easily. But uh, yeah, so pop in and introduce yourselves because I think that uh, what you have going on there is is just so valuable for all of us for uh, setting the foundation of attachment. So thank you so much for what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for your compliments and um, inviting me on the show. My breastfeeding ministry is really 
like such a heart thing. I just really love it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, you too. So God bless and have a wonderful afternoon. Bye. Okay, bye.